Well, let's jump into the word this morning. <clears throat> We're going to start in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Today, our message is called Running Your Race. Running Your Race. We were at a race yesterday. We are, we are running fans. We've got two fast girls. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the, the plans, some, some translations say thoughts. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans that I think about you. I have plans for you. I think about you. And my plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. In a future. God has plans for us that are given. They're a gift. Plans for hope and a future. Wherever you are in your life, whatever stage you're at, whatever you've been through, gone through, going through, God's got a plan for you. It's to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. We just finished a series on prayer. By the way, if this is your first time here, welcome. Pastor Brad and I both minister. Um, so, you know, sometimes sometimes we have a girl preacher here, okay? So, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Do you realize the honor of that? That the king of the universe says, I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Okay, so this is not a half-hearted thing that we do. Half-heartedness doesn't get you very far with God. So God has plans for you. God has been thinking about you. The context of this in Jeremiah is actually talking to the children of Israel when they were exiled. They were far from God. So you may feel like, I feel like I'm far from God. I feel like I've been far from God. It doesn't matter how far you feel. God's been thinking about you. He's got a plan for you. So the Dewey Rhymes translation says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of affliction to give you an end of hope. I love that part of what he gives, that he gives us a hope. He gives us a future. He gives us an end. What does that mean? Listen, you are going to die one day. <laughs> That's just going to happen. That's not the end he's talking about. You don't have to try to die. It's going to happen, right? That's, uh, the Bible says it's appointed once unto man to die. We're not going to die and come back. We're not going to do this again and again. We're not going to, uh, you know, experience multiple lives. We get one life here on this earth. And... Uh, uh, and then we're going to come to the end. But he says, I've got an end for you. If you'll get involved with me, it'll be a different end than just case or rah, whatever will be, will be. Whatever happens, happens is not what he's talking about here. So I'll give you an end. Sometimes the Young's literal says posterity. Posterity. When it looks like you've come to the end of you and there's not any more hope, he's like, yeah, I, I've got generations in your posterity is going to go on after you. 
what me and you are going to do together is going to outlast me. So God wants us to look past our present difficulties. And God wants us to see the big picture. He's like, I've got a much bigger picture for you. I've got a much bigger picture for your end. The big picture. See the big picture. That's a life of faith. What is a life of faith? It's a life of walking and trusting. Walking with him and trusting in him. It's a life where he sees me through every difficulty. What we go through, we're going through and coming out on the other side. So sometimes we go through difficult things in this life. But God says, you go with me, we're going to come out the other side of it. We're not going to stay there. But our greatest fulfillment of who we are, our greatest fulfillment of who we are created to be, all those little unique things that make you you, the greatest expression of you, is going to be found in his plan and his purpose for your life. So all of these other things that people are out there chasing are not going to satisfy. All right, our main text today is going to be Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Bible says that the plan of God is like running a race. Everyone's course will be unique. Everybody's course is unique. He's got a unique course just for you. But everybody's course has some things in common. If we look in 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit who moved on him. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. All right, we see three things here that all of our race shares. Number one, there's a fight to our race. There's a fight. You're going to do what God's called you to do. There's a fight. It isn't just whatever happens, happens, and we'll know it's God. No, quite contrary to that. I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul was still alive, and he says, you know what? I finished my course. This was at the end of his life. I finished my course. He got to the end, and he's, he was perplexed about, is it time for me to lay it down? Is it time for me to stay? But according to Paul, we can finish our course. We can finish our race. And he said, I've kept the faith. So we can keep the faith. I want to ask Esther to come down here for just a minute. This was on my heart yesterday. Oh, but you're going to need a microphone, sweet girl. Uh, this was on my heart yesterday. I believe that she's supposed to do this. And then on the car this morning, she doesn't know she's doing it. Uh, in the car this morning on the way, she said, I had a dream last night that I was up here with you, Mom, and I was talking. I was like, well, that's confirmation. <laughs> yeah, I want you to share what it's like to run a race. 
What is it like? Um, it's Because she did a, had an awesome race yesterday. It's hard, but it's mental and physical that you're pushing your body and you're pushing your mind that if you think, well, this is awful, I'm like not doing good, I'm not going to finish, I can't believe I'm doing this, you're not going to do good, you're going to get exhausted quickly, and if you think in your mind, no, I can do this, and like Christ strengthens me, and I've been training for this, then you can do it, and you finish, and you feel good and strong. And when you finish, it's like you pushed so hard and you're so exhausted and it feels so good that you fought and you, like, pushed through something very hard. Amen. So, so when you're running your race, kind of what are, you, what are you working on as you're thinking through where I am right now? I'm at, you know, I'm at the mile one marker. What? Just make it, make it another 800 meters. Make it another half a mile. And then you hit that, you're like, hit another one, just make it to mile two, and then you make it to mile two, and you're like, I've done two miles, I can do one more. Yeah. And you just think so of it one step at a time. So, so they ran a 5K, and Esther's been, uh, how many years have you been running? My fourth season. This is her fourth season. Her first season, she got what we call a PR, or a personal record. I mean, she got her fastest time four years ago. And she's been training and working for four years. And, you know, what you want is, like, you want every race to be a PR. You want every race to be faster than the year before, um, the race before. But she had not had a PR for four years until yesterday she, she beat her fastest time. Sometimes the race, sometimes the race. Woo, yeah. Oh, yeah, and how much did you beat it by? A minute. Beat it by a minute. That's a lot. They run a 5K, which is about 3.1 miles. And uh, she had an awesome race yesterday. Lily had an awesome race, too, yesterday. They did amazing. Uh, thank you, Esther. What was your time? 23.40. Esther's my daughter. She's, she's our youngest of four. All right. So I thought that would help you in thinking about what we're doing. Because the Bible says that running, running, uh, that your your plan, God's plan for your life is like running a race. Sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you think I don't want to do this. Sometimes you think I want to quit. I just want to quit. And sometimes you think I can't do this. I can't finish this. This is too hard. I don't like doing this. That's how it feels sometimes in the middle of running a race. She said. Um, that she started thinking, they drink caffeine beforehand. She's like, I started thinking that my caffeine was wearing off. And she's like, no, my caffeine's not wearing off. Still got my caffeine. <laughs> All right. There's a fight to our race. We can finish our course. We can keep the faith. All right. That's you and that's me. Today we're going to talk about three aids for accomplishing those plans. Three A's. You know, it's up to us whether we finish. It's not up to God. He will, he will do his part. He will see you through. You do what you're supposed to do. You will finish your course as far as he's concerned. It's up to you. It's up to you. All right, three things. Number one, be encouraged. You're not alone. 
be encouraged. Others have successfully done this before us. They have successfully fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. That's the goal. That's success. What we just read in Timothy. Okay? Let's Hebrews 12.1. Be encouraged. You're not alone. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Paul says, I've got something to encourage you to reign with me. So in, this is Hebrews chapter 12. When the Bible was written, Hebrews was a letter. It is a letter. It was not written in chapter and verse. It didn't have a 12. It didn't have a 1. It didn't have an 11. It was a letter. And right before he said this, in what we call Hebrews chapter 11, there's a great list of heroes of faith. It talks about Enoch. It talks about Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and others. It talks about the great men and women of faith that went before us. It talks about how Noah obeyed God, about things not seen, it says. He built an ark to save his family. something that hadn't been seen before, something that hadn't been done to before, he obeyed God. And because he obeyed God, he saved his family, which suggests if he had not obeyed God, his family would have not have been saved. Abraham was called to a place to go where he, to receive an inheritance. Abraham, the Abraham and Sarah had a house. Uh, when you study that historical time period, it says they even had like a, a bathroom with running water and and God called him out of that place. He said, I've got to, got to get you out of that place. And the Bible says God was sending him to a place he knew not. And they lived in tents. So he's like, so, so Sarah, I've got this great idea. Let's leave our, our, our great house and let's go live in tents. God's leading us out. But they obeyed and went, and even though they didn't know where they were going. Verse 11 talks about Sarah, who was past childbearing age, who was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. These are men and women of faith that went before us who, who fought the good fight, who kept the faith and finished their course. And then when Paul gets up, well, let's see. Verse 13 says all these people were still living by faith when they died. Hebrews 11.39, the last verse in that chapter, says these were all, it goes a list more, it's a great, great chapter to read, and then take them one by one and go back and study their stories in the Old Testament. It says in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. These were all commended for their faith. Now here's 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded, the Message Bible says, don't you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. That word surrounded there in the Greek portrays being com completely encircled. 
thing, we have these around us on every side. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 14. Ephesians 3, 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. When we are in Christ Jesus, we become part of the family. And God becomes our Father. And some of the family is in heaven. And some of the family is on earth. So this family is cheering one another on in our walk of faith. Those that have gone on are interested in our walk of faith. They're interested in, in, in the, if you've made a decision for Christ. They're interested if you're following God's plan for you. If you get a new car, they don't care. If you get a new house, they don't care. They're not interested in that. They're interested in, are you following God's plan for your life? <clears throat> Those who've gone before us. We have this great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says, that's cheering us on cheering us on. You can do it. You can fight the fight. You can keep the faith. You can finish your course. You can do it. <clears throat> you might say, you know what? I come from people, you know, they, they might have been Christians, but they weren't great Christians. They weren't like Abraham and Sarah. Did you know that even the Bible gives us examples, somebody like that? It actually gives us somebody, examples, somebody that goes to hell. In the story that Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus, uh, the, the rich man went to hell, and Lazarus, this was a beggar, Lazarus. It wasn't the Lazarus that was raised from the dead. Uh, he went to heaven, and he asked God, he said, would you please get Lazarus to go and tell my brother? Go and tell my brother. Go tell them the truth. Tell them what I missed. So even from hell, he cared about his brother and wanting them to follow Jesus. Jesus said, they don't, if they won't believe the prophets, if they won't believe Moses, they wouldn't believe if I sent Lazarus back from the dead to tell them the truth. Right? So we have a great cloud of witnesses that they see it. So, so maybe your family, you know, you're like, well, I didn't come from any, like, great, amazing Christians. Yeah, but they get it now. They see what you don't see. And you're like, do what I didn't do. Do it. Run your course. Finish strong. Cross that finish line. Don't give up. Keep the faith. So that word cloud, seeing that we are completely surrounded, encircled on every side by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's an interesting word. It's the same word used in classical Greek times to describe the highest seat in a, in, like in the bleachers of a stadium. So you know how today we say, oh, you've got the nosebleed seats? Well, then they would say, oh, you're sitting in the clouds. So it's this picture that they're sitting all the way at the top of the stadium, cheering us on. The stadium is full of those who've gone before us. You're not alone. Sometimes you feel like nobody's ever been through what I'm going through. Nobody gets it. 
It's so hard for me. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think you're all alone. You're special. This is so hard. Yes, somebody else was able to, to, to follow the plan of God, but they didn't have it as bad as you have it. But that's not, Paul said, be encouraged. Hey, we've got a great seeing that we are surrounded by those that have gone before us. We're of that same line. We're of that same family. We're of that same lineage of Enoch that walked with God and was no more, of Noah that saved his family. So the great heroes of faith from the grandstands, from the grandstands, they are interested in our spiritual walk. They are interested in, are you impacting the kingdom of God? Are you impacting? Paul is saying, be encouraged. People just like you stood in faith and endured the difficulties in order to do the will of God. When their faith was challenged, they held tight to the word of God. Number one, be encouraged, you're not alone. Number two, examine your environment. Is it time to make a change? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. All right, we're going to, number two, we're talking about our environment. Your environment can be your greatest potential enemy or your greatest asset. I have a friend that was a smoker. I actually know two ladies that this was their case. They they were like serious, addicted smokers. One of them had been smoking since she was like 16. And she prayed she wanted to be rid of that. And she prayed that God would set her free from smoking. Um, in a service, she was in a service that somebody said, you know, if you want to receive freedom from that addiction, you can receive that right now by faith. And she just received that by faith. And she said her desire to smoke was gone. And she never smoked. Never smoked again. She quit smoking. But then she started hanging out after a couple years. She started hanging out with a group of people who were big smokers. And she thought, I can just smoke this one day. And she went and bought some. And so, you know what happened. She smoked that one time, and she was addicted worse than ever. And she wasn't able to set it down as easily. And as far as I know, she, she hasn't. I know a couple people that that's happened to. <clears throat> Our environment matters. So if God has set you free from something, then we want to be careful who we put ourselves back around if it's going to be a stumbling block to us. All right, so this says that the sin that so easily entangles. So another example is if if you've had trouble with drinking, then you don't need to be hanging out with people who drink, right? If you're in an environment filled with doubt and unbelief, that's not an environment to keep your faith in. So if you're surrounded by, I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you're talking like that. That's going to pull you down to a different level, a level that God's delivered you from. 
the sin that so easily entangles is three Greek words that are compounded. And this is what they describe. Something that comfortably stands all around you, such as a comfortable environment. A comfortable. The sin that so easily entangles us. He says, if you're going to run your race, first of all, you've got to be encouraged that you're not alone. You can do it. People before you have done it, and you're just like them. You can do it. But one of the things that's going to hinder you is this sin that so easily entangles you. For you and me, that's different probably. For each one of us, it's different. It's a different thing. But it's the thing that's so easy to fall back into. For some of you, it might be worry. You might just be like, I come from a long line of worriers. Worrying is not trusting God. Worry doesn't change anything, doesn't improve any situation, right? So whatever is this sin that so easily besets you? Smokers could have been set free of that. Don't need to be hanging out with people smoking, right? Worriers don't need to be around people that are talking worry, 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 worry. Just say, shut that off. I love when Miss Mary was going through the situation with getting custody of, of her granddaughters, the lawyer told her, now, Miss Mary, now if this happens, she said, wait just a minute there. There's no if this happens. There's when this happens. And she got exactly what she believed that would be. And those little girls are such a blessing, and they're so blessed. They're so blessed to be in a godly home. We're talking about environment. Environment. So something that comfortably stands all around you. So if you think about it, God will show you what's the thing that's just so easy to fall back into for me. That, that comfortable. Sometimes in order to make necessary changes in your life, you've got to physically remove yourself from a bad influence. If you're not strong enough to stay in faith, and be there without being affected, you need to remove yourself from that environment. The one that's been very comfortable for a really long time. What are the things that are just really easy to fall back into? Drag you down to your old behavior. So then it talks about the weight of sin. The weight of sin. Sin that so easily entangles. Does sin matter? God will forgive you of your sin, is what the word says. Sin will slow you down. Sin is like a weight. It will slow you down. It will hinder your fellowship with God. It gets in the way of you and him. It gets in the way of you being able to be led by your spirit. So, Sin will dull your spirit and become, you become less responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading because you're allowing something that God says don't allow, then that, that dulls you to his leading. And if you don't check it, it will cause you to live in the natural realm. It'll cause you to miss God's best for your life. And it doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter if it's worry 
It doesn't matter if it's lying, cheating, <laughs> whatever it is. It will cause you just to live in the natural realm and you'll totally miss out on God's, the role he's wanting to play in your life and you will not finish your course. You will not finish the thing that you were made and designed to do because it's a weight. If Esther and Lily yesterday, they were wearing their cross-country uniforms and their cross-country uniforms do not weigh much. They do not weigh much. We should have weighed them. If Lily was wearing what she's wearing right now, she's got on jeans, She's got on regular tennis shoes. She's got on a cute jacket. If she was wearing that when she was running her race yesterday, she wouldn't have made the same time. She wouldn't have had a PR, right? She'd have been weighted down. That's what sin does to us. Left unchecked. It weights you down. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make the time you wanna make. You're not gonna finish your course the way you wanna finish it. All right, so think about environments. What environments do you need to check? Old friends, old places, old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, old ways of comforting, old ways of dealing with your emotions. Consider, will this environment help me in my walk with Christ or is it dragging me down that I was from, from all that the junk that I was delivered from? So are you in an environment that's hindering you from growing spiritually, hindering you from, 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 from fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Don't wait to strip off these weights because you might not finish your course. And one more thing to notice is you're the one that has to strip it off. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. God doesn't do that for you. He will help you, but you have to do that. You can do it through his power, with his help, with his ability, but it's not something that he does and you are not involved. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sometimes we have to change our environment. Sometimes we have to change environments, okay? But sometimes we have to be the one that changes the environment. There's some environments that we're responsible for. You can't be like, if you're still raising your kids, you can't be like, well, my kids are just like dragging me down. <laughs> no, you're the one in charge of that environment. You're the one in charge of your, your home environment. So sometimes you need to make some choices to change your environment. How do we do that? It has to do with, with what we allow in, what we allow in. I think this is one of the most important things in raising kids is watching the environment that they're raised in. I love that Joshua says, uh, let's look at Joshua 24, 15. Joshua said, but if, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. Listen, choose who, you, you get to choose. It's up to you. Who are you going to serve? Whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, your environment. You're living in that land among those people that serve the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
And that's such a bold statement. See, Joshua didn't get to decide for his children who they would serve. But I believe that Joshua raised his kids in an environment that guaranteed who they would serve. Joshua set an example that his kids could follow. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's never too late to influence your kids. If you've got grown kids, it's never too late. Your prayers are powerful. And your example is powerful over your kids. Because they can see God work in you and change your life. And God's real. And he's powerful. And what he does in our lives is, is something people can see. And sometimes it happens so slowly to us that we're not as aware of how significant it is. But other people on the outside can see it. So be encouraged. You can impact your children. You can impact your grown children. All right. So, so there are some environments we need to change. So, so we want to think about, well, what are we letting in? Sometimes when, when we're uh, um, counseling somebody, we've counseled people through the years that their children have, have tried to commit suicide. And my number one question is, okay, what are we letting in? What's coming in? What kind of thoughts? What kind of music are they listening to? What kind of movies and TV shows are they watching? What ideas? We were always very particular what our children watched. And sometimes we would cut... Uh, you know, cartoons and things that were very common that everybody else could watch because we'd say, what is that message? What, what is that message towards parents, towards authority, to family relationships? You know, we didn't allow our kids to watch shows where all the, the, the parents were idiots and the kids were the smart ones. We didn't let our kids watch stuff like that. They don't need that idea. They don't need the idea that parents are idiots. Uh, so, so, so you just start looking at, okay, what's coming in? And as a parent, the environment your kid lives in is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to man that. It's your responsibility to put all the controls on the phones and the computers and know what they can do in those spaces because, man, that is a dangerous world. So you, you put, put locks and controls on it. Put your computer in the middle of the living room. Nobody's on except when everybody's home. Those are some things that we can do to save our children from the hand of the enemy. All right, some other things we can do is go to church. It changes our environment. That's an easy one. Somebody else has been praying. Somebody else has been studying. Somebody else has been practicing and worshiping. Changes who you know. You get new friends. You get to add to that great cloud of witnesses. Not, so, not sitting so high in the, in the nosebleed section. You get some friends that are sitting kind of close to you. Changes the music that you know. I'm so thankful for the music I learn at church. I learn music at church. This morning I woke up, one of the songs was just in my heart. I'm like, I haven't even thought about that song in a while. And I learned that song at church and it just been in my heart all night long. Changes what you hear so you can change how you think. So home, what's, what's normal to watch? What's normal to listen to? Change in your atmosphere. Change how you talk. Change how you talk to yourself. 
Change how you talk to other people. Change how you talk about other people. Change in your atmosphere. Amen. All right. Number three. We're going to finish up here. Number three, run your race. Run your race. Are you running the race God told you to run? When things are hard or heavy, we might be trying to run somebody else's race. God doesn't want the race that he set before us to be difficult or burdensome. It's one of my favorite verses. This is a verse that helps me. This is a verse that helps keep me in check. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We said that God, the God, God is a giver. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. He gives us an end, different from the devil's end. He gives us a posterity. Matthew, uh, Jesus says here in Matthew, he gives us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Jesus said, you come to me. You, you, you hook up with me. You get my plan for your life, and you're going to find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I kind of test myself every now and then when I'm starting to feel like the yoke is getting not so easy and not so light. I'm like, huh, this doesn't pass the test, does it? This doesn't pass the test. I must be picking up somebody else's stuff. I must be picking up somebody else, trying to walk somebody else's walk. Make sure you're running your race. Often the difficulties we face in running our race means it's not God's yoke upon us. We're trying to, uh, we're not fulfilling his will for our lives. All right, let's finish with Hebrews 12.1 in the Living Bible. This is a paraphrase that says it really well. Since we are, since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, that's men and women. That in chapter 11, it was lots of women in that chapter too. Since we have such a huge crowd of men and women of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Let's stand to our feet. Can we take a moment and just turn to the Lord and let him search our hearts? Let him have our way, his way in us. Father God, have your way. Speak to us, show us. Lord, we want to get to the end of our race and stand before you and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we want to finish all that you've called us to. 
Lord, we want to walk our, our walk, our course. We want to run our course, Father, accurately. Lord, we don't want to get sidetracked. We don't want to get detoured. Or as they say in England, there's signs everywhere that said diversion. Diverted traffic. Lord, we don't want to get diverted. We don't want to be diverted on, on the wrong path. Lord, we want to be right in the center of your will. Father God, I thank you that as, as, we, as we yoke ourselves with you, Lord, I thank you that you equip us and you help us. And we're able to do all that you've called us to do. And Lord, we're able to have the impact that you want us to have. Lord, there's people in our lives that we are the hope to take the gospel to them. We are their only hope. Father God, we want to stand up and answer that call. We want to be found faithful, faithful servants, faithfully raising another generation, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, our, the, our posterity that you give us because of the hand of, the God, of God on our lives, on our family, that our faithfulness and our obedience affects the generations after us. We want to be faithful to you, faithfully serve you, and not allow weights to keep us from accomplishing your will not be distracted. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, that you share those plans. You share those purposes. Thank you that you share them with us, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Anybody needs prayer this morning, I'm going to invite you.